Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Streaming Place. We are talking today about Season 4, Episode 10. Who's the new king of hell? Who's the new king of hell? Which is, like, you know, a much more logical way to pronounce that, but, you know, spoilers. So, um, there are plenty, plenty of places we could start. First of all, shout out to uh, the Lucy fans, because the title of the previous episode, Save Lucifer, we forgot to mention yesterday, was a shout out to the hashtag Save Lucifer, you know, which helped draw attention to the show. And, you know, the the interest from the fans, I'm sure, helped uh, Netflix go like, yeah, we can pick this up. We've got all of the money. Um, so so there's that from, you know, the previous business. And we're going to talk about so much in this finale. And I feel like it would be too easy for us to be distracted by the shiny, pretty opening dance number, which you know I love. And then to forget about Dan beatboxing. So we're going to start with Dan beatboxing because that is the thing that happened in this finale. And I had like forgotten about it until it was happening. I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. And um, so yeah, this, this finale, it gives so much. It taketh away, especially for the shippers, but it gives so much. And one of the things it gives us is Dan beatboxing. I'm very on board. What did you guys think? Uh, I love that Chloe continues to not know modern pop culture and just Ella, (laughs) Dan, you know, bringing the music of Monopolized to all of our ears and our hearts. It's, it's beautiful. Kevin Alejandro, please beatbox more. <laughs> yeah, it's it was it was a surprising, wild little like nugget after that opening of like, oh, by the way, Kevin, we need you to also beatbox in this episode. I can do that. You need me to do a dirty dancing riff and beatbox. I mean. I, I I should just take an Emmy right now. <laughs> I feel like they're just going down the special skills, like on everybody's uh, CVs or whatever. Um, because yeah, so we've had dance surfing and now beatboxing. Uh, Amy Garcia has a background in ballet, which is why she's one of the dancers in our opening musical number or dance number. Uh, and it's just like, obviously, Tom Ellis is very good. He does a really good job with it. Um, and I think he keeps up with the dancers pretty well. But there's just a difference to how she moves where you're like, yep, classical ballet background. That makes sense. Uh, Allison, what did you think of our of our beatboxing and our uh, dance number? Uh, Well, I have all kinds of thoughts about the dance number, as you might guess. But about the beatboxing, um, I assume that this is a skill that Dan has perfected in his improv classes where he is surely the person that allows the like improvised musical numbers to happen. Right. So like, they'll be like, um, give me a place. And someone is like, the Democratic National Convention. And they're like, and give me an item. And they're like, a waffle iron. And then they're like, all right, Dan, lay the beat down. And then Dan starts beatboxing. And then someone raps about making waffles at the DNC. Um, 
which I think is great. It's a really specific niche in improv. There's is Dan the Wayne Brady of his improv troupe. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred. Obviously, obviously, Dan. We should really be calling him White Wayne Brady, like White Josh, but White Wayne Brady. I guess he doesn't wear enough blazers. He's Brown Wayne Brady. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you, Brown Wayne Brady. Um, but he doesn't wear enough blazers. He could be Brown Chip Eston if you want. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I think that's better. I that's, think that's good. Better. Just gonna go for all the whose line is it anyway? Deep cuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brown Colin Mockery. um the dance number uh what a delight how stupid in the best way um how amazing that in lucifer's dance number fantasy he does a dirty dancing lift with dan and then throws him literally throws him away throws him away into this into heaven's garbage um Uh, (laughs) i remember at the time someone like tweeted a gif of it it's like to Charlotte Richards, you go. <laughs> Excellent. Um, the thing I appreciated most about it is the way it, that it was choreographed. You could really buy for like maybe 10 seconds that it was really happening because it is not outside the realm of possibility that Lucifer would stage a musical number with the dancers at Lux. Right. Right. And then like, and then I was like, no, this is, I'm sorry. This is pushing the boundaries of reality. This is too much. Even for me, this, everybody would hate going to this nightclub. If Lucifer was doing shit like this all the time, they probably already do, but maybe there's free drugs. I don't know. And then, it went to the police station. I was like, oh, never mind. Okay, this is great. This is amazing. <laughs> like, solid choreography, very exciting, like, really fun choice of music. And then we get the little finger wet. It's just very nice and very committed and silly and stupid. And I, it, like, a lovely way to um, to sum up Lucifer's attitudes t- attitude towards winning therapy, which is a thing a lot of people think you can do hilariously it's really funny to me like yeah i won therapy no no anyway fun (laughs) um now latoya you mentioned yesterday uh the behind the scenes deliciousness i couldn't find it i'm looking for it now too and i I will find it i will like crawl through leslie ann's tweets because so leslie and brand and rachel harris were not part of this musical number but they did uh (laughs) record them doing the choreography or attempting to do the choreography and it's beautiful they try to do the lift and everything it's, it's very good we'll, we'll pop that in the show notes uh when we find it what did what did you guys think about our finale and how everything came together uh no i'm gonna throw it to you so i like this episode it's not as good as the two episodes that precede it um which i i I like big emotional wallops and while there's some like emotional stuff in here, um, it feels really kind of plot driven more so than the preceding two episodes have been. Um, mainly though, like my big takeaway from this episode is that they have a case of the week that is actually physically about them. So they don't have to belabor the point or prop up a really flimsy case of the week to make it about them. Um, so I was just like, Oh, this is what the show would be like if every case was actually about them in some way, shape, or form. Um, which would actually end up being like a really streamlined sort of um, jovial experience because then it gives you the time to do a musical number at the top of your show. 
um, instead of having to go and interrogate suspects. I mean, uh, this case of the week, if you want to really call it a case of the week, uh, gives us the new theory that Tupac is actually possessed by a demon. So that's what's been happening all of these years. Tupac is not alive, but he is possessed by a demon. <laughs> very, which, very impossible. Obviously. Which sort of works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So overall, I think that the episode's good, and I think it's a good sort of tie-up for a number of things that happen have happened this season. Um, but it also just, for me, it also brings really into stark focus the ways in which Ella and Dan ended up being shortchanged this season, since they're sidelined so much in this finale. And Ella's whole, yep, nope, back with the big guy. And it's just like, that was very fast. That was very fast. And Dan's issues are still here. So I'm really hoping season five, like, actually addresses them. Um, so overall, I think it's good. Um, I just didn't like it as much as the preceding two episodes. Um, but man, Craig McTavish is so good in this episode that it almost doesn't matter. He's so good. And before we let Allison get into Graham McTavish uh, and his uh, leather daddy thing, um, I just want to say regarding, uh, damn it, what I was going to say, them being shortchanged, there is like that beat in the episode where Chloe's like, should we just tell them the truth about all this? And Lucy was like, it's going to, it's going to take too long, honestly. Like show, like I could show them, but then like they have to have like nine episodes to process that. Right. So yeah. we just have to like move on. Well, and Linda's on maternity leave. So yeah. like that, you know, th- you've got to make sure that they have, the only therapist in the into all in all of creation that understands the situation has time available, right? Uh-huh. Like you've got to you got to plan these things. Well, obviously, what do you think of our Graham McTavish, uh, Graham McTavish content here, Allison, and his we talk like a pirate accents and everything? Oh my god! I so first of all, I I don't think anybody currently in the Zoom needed convincing on. Graham McTavish's abilities as a character actor. Um, but just in case anyone listening was like really on the fence about this guy who was playing Father Kinley, um, Graham McTavish fucking rules. Uh, I was so excited that instead of doing like a um like a grim dark thing that instead we were dealing with like a, a relatively unintelligent minion, right? Like you could see. There was something about his performance where he conjured an image of what this person demon might look like outside of his um, um, person skin, right? Like his hijacked body. And I was picturing like a little, like a little imp with like a really dumb face, just sort of like hopping around and and being terrifying and annoying and funny and weird. And it's amazing that this very large man was able to sort of conjure that image in my head just with the changes to his voice and his posture and the way he moved and the quality of his energy. Um, so I, I, it's a long way of saying he's really very good, but he's really very good. Um, and it was such a relief to have him have an opportunity to play something a little more wild, given that, I mean, he was really good as Father Kinley, like every time we saw him, but this is way more interesting. Um, and it, it almost made me wish that we had gotten to spend a little bit more time with with this version uh so big thumbs up for me uh also when he fist bumped his own oh no my headphones fell out when he fist bumped his own heart um Mm. when talking to lucifer that was like a real life highlight uh the the look a plus very good 
um, the Lucifer hug, amazing, was just very into all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the it definitely is a bit rushed. What we get is really good, but uh, and they do a lot with the limitations of how the storyline has been set up, right? So this, I think, is a, a good finale. I think the season three finale is better than this one because there's a sense of scope and, and scale to that that this one can't have because until the very end of it, they're like, like we need more demons because like this isn't scary enough and it needs to be. So they just, you know, the the, the notion of like, oh, he, that's why they, that's why Squee is dressed like a priest, which they never explain until that line. Um, I'm guessing maybe there's something cut or something. But he's been hanging out in the confessional, finding people who are definitely going to hell so they can kill them so a demon can, you know, possess their body. Um, but so at the end, we get some more people in there. But really, it is ve- a very uh, visceral kind of like one-on-one fight situation for most of it. And so while there are apocalyptic stakes around, like, the notion of demons swarming throughout hell, Lucifer losing control over um, the demons and, and, you know, the reign, uh, the, the realms of heaven, or sorry, of hell and earth uh it's more uh ephemeral it's not as uh specific as the other finales have felt so uh so so i think that that they actually do a good job with all that um but because of because you don't have like a giant crowd scene or you have like a let's see how many people we can get away with getting in this room and having it kind of track with the narrative and also the fact that we only have one episode to do the story in um I, I think it's a really, a really satisfying and very emotional and uh, centered finale. This is a show that knows how to do, they know how to do their finales, right, Ladoya? I, I agree. Yeah, they they know how to make you want more. So it got it was especially upsetting uh, at the end of season three uh, when they canceled it. But yeah, um, so I at the time very much enjoyed this finale. I very much enjoyed it again. I also have it like playing kind of on mute now too, just uh, to make sure I don't miss anything. Because again, like I said, I didn't take good notes because I'm a dummy. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's. I probably should note again that this is directed by uh, our friend Eagle Eagleson. Uh, so that's why we get like the big, you know, fight scene at the end. That, that's very fun. Uh, which more fight scenes, please? It's. Because uh, the fight scenes in the show are so specific to the characters. Like, you know, an Amanda Deal fight is different from a Lucifer fight. It's different from a Maze fight. So it's always fun to watch the different uh, dynamics at play. And to have, you know, all three of them kicking ass in this is really fun to watch. I think that this episode very much, uh, like, it, it helps wrap up these characters' plots in a way that's satisfactory. It is kind of rushed, especially with Ella in that sense. Uh, but I think... It, Maybe there's some tweaking that could have been done just in terms of because I think that the reason it happens is be, uh, is because of Charlie being recovered. Uh, or the, well, not uh, and that's good, but I feel like getting from that point to Ella's reaction, that's when that's it's kind of iffy on that part. I mm-hmm. think the damn thing. I think that it's like Apex is in the previous episode with Linda, so that's yeah. why it's okay that he you know he just looks at a picture of Charlotte. He just looks at a, a promotion, a promotional still. The weirdest possible framed picture of Charlotte, too. Just, yeah. Where did he get that? Why does he have it? It's a weird picture to have of her. It looks <laughs> like a screen grab from IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> still for one of the episodes, definitely. Uh, the only thing it needed is like uh, Elena Gilbert's memories frame from Vampire Diaries. That's what she <laughs> had around it to like really sell. Like, he's thinking about Charlotte. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, I, so it does suck they have to be on the sidelines, but it also speaks to like the show's um, greater honing in on the celestial stuff and the larger world, which uh, that I was able to say without getting ahead of myself, like that finale uh, to the finale, like we are finally getting into places that we couldn't have gotten into before. We, of course, we got a little taste of that with Off the Record. Yeah. Um, but this is clear, like, we can do more with this now. And we're going to. Yeah. Um, Sky says, I wish the picture of Charlotte had been one where Trixie did her hair. <laughs> Me too. Excellent call. Like, take take a, like, a screen grab of that and just, like, from that episode, I'd be okay with it. would be like, yeah, well, it's because they were hanging out later and he took a picture of it later. That's why he has it. Because how could you not take a picture of that? Sneak a picture of that. Um, Vin says uh, the ending, that is creepy, like, really creepy and yeah the scale of it is so well done and it's i mean because it it adds to what we already know uh in a good way because it would be easy to like there's some confusion for me around hell because the demons talk about stabbing and torturing people but what we know is that the people torture themselves and the demons aren't involved in that so how those two connect is still very fuzzy to me but i appreciate that instead of rewriting any of that to fit more with what like Dromos and Squeer well Dromos is saying in this episode they connect stronger to the little glimpses we've gotten of hell but just put Lucifer up on that throne and just the isolation of it uh the scale of it is very it's oppressive and you can absolutely see why he was just going absolutely um crazy i guess is the most tiny shred of a example like of a term for what he must have been feeling when he decided to to go to earth um yeah it really that is a really effective final shot there yeah and it's made for me a little bit more effective um by chloe's chloe's blouse in this whole out in this in this episode which has like little white starbursts on it um so the entire time my partner and i were just like starburst oh she's the guiding light and i just went she's the morning star and then like her the flickers of white in the cells as we're zooming out of hell actually mirror her blouse in terms of white flickers as well so it's just like it was there all along um but i really appreciated that kind of aesthetic through line yeah well and even just in the penthouse with that chandelier and the way it was reflecting on the ceiling and on the the piano yeah, that's a that's a great call. I did not notice that thing with the blouse, so very well done. Um, the uh, Vince says the ending should really make the news, right? There were like forty people that were killed to bring all those demons uh, to the world to, to yeah, Earth. Yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that'll come up in in season five. These these writers have shown us that they pay attention to that kind of stuff. So more, to be continued, because fortunately we are getting a fifth season. Uh, you know, a couple days from now. Vin says it was so hard to see Chloe begging. I'm curious what you guys thought of that. I, I didn't really buy when she's like, oh, I've been acting weird all day because I was worried that you were going to leave like, because you missed hell or something. Like, like German is selling the crap out of it. But for me, it felt too much like a retcon. <laughs> um, I really loved that last scene, though. I thought it worked like gangbusters. Allison, what did you think? I agree. You know, I'm with Nolan that I liked but didn't love this finale. There are things about it that I really loved. I especially love that 
one of my very favorite things when you're engaging with a narrative is when you reach a plot point that you feel you absolutely should have seen coming, but somehow didn't. And that is how I felt about, um, about baby Charlie and the title of this episode, um, among some other things. Uh, I just feel like in addition to, you know, the, the longing stare at the photograph, (laughs) um, here's an emotional beat. Ding. Um, I I feel like the Chloe and Lucifer stuff was just a little bit mm, easy, rushed, but also easy. Like, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for Chloe to both intellectually have and emotionally even have reconciled herself to Lucifer's true nature and what it means and the nature of the world. I By that... Um, but to have a visceral reaction to this physical transformation also seems sort of, I don't know, normal. Like it, it just feels like getting over it isn't a thing you can really do when the person you love is the actual devil. Like I just, I, I it just didn't really work for me. You're right that I think the last scene really works and she sells the hell of it. And I love, God, I love a gentle brush of wind to the face as a signifier that the person you are talking to who has the ability to fly has flown off. A classic Superman move, um, here flash. deployed at flash, exactly, here deployed expertly for Lucifer. Thumbs up. Um, and I think that final shot is really beautiful. And has Lucifer always had that chandelier because I want it in my home? Immediately, I had never noticed it before. Anyway, uh, it was everything else that I didn't quite buy. I'm not sure why the important thing is Lucifer's physical transformation when it's, we've already been told it's a signifier for something that's going on emotionally. Um, And I also just, it just, it all felt a little tidy for me in a way that didn't totally work. I will say that uh, saving his angel wing reveal for that moment. Well, well done show. Cause we've been like, Oh, I can't yeah, show her my devil face. Like, yeah, but you could show her your wings. Right. <laughs> and instead they saved it for this. And I thought it was very, very good. Um, uh, Vin says, uh, sorry, Allison, your rooms probably are not high enough. Just saying it for that chandelier. Um, Latoya, what did you, what did you think about our Chloe and Lucifer arc for this episode? Um, it's one of those things where, you know, because I, mean, I talked about this in the last episode, because of the kind of the separation that exists between the two of them this season for obvious reasons, uh, it's kind of hard to get them to, to reconcile uh, in general, like just physically be in the same place at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like very much like she's trying to she's trying to say this to Lucifer the entire time, the entire episode. She's trying to have an actual conversation. Uh, but you know, he's, he, he's solved, uh, therapy and everything. He's won therapy. <laughs> he solved all his problems. He doesn't really, he just wants to get, get to work, which come on, Lucifer, you know, this is deflecting. He, this is like, this is Dr. Linder 101. You know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Even Chloe's like, uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> Maybe go <Yeah>. home. <laughs> there are no murders in Los Angeles today. Despite my jurisdiction extending all the way to Santa Monica or wherever the fuck it was that one time with that winery where it was just like, no, it's way outside LA. They're, yeah, they're going like all the way to Malibu. I'm like, what, Malibu, what yes. part of LA do you cover? Yeah. yeah it's like, it's clearly the, the West Side, but it just keeps going further. 
uh, but yes, as I was saying, besides LA geography, uh, what was I saying? Oh, so finally, at the end, you know, because she, she's putting it off because Lucifer keeps, you know, interrupting her. But she's like, I will always have time for me to say this, basically, until the moment where she can't have time because he has to, he has to get out of here. Just go. It's skedaddle. Skedaddle down to hell. (laughs) Noel, any thoughts? No, I agree with Allison and that there's just not enough like kind of space for it. And I think like Latoya says as well that the nature of the season makes it very difficult for them to effectively reconcile. Um, even though Chloe does spend a lot of this episode trying to be like I'm trying to have a conversation with you. But also, that's Chloe's general beat with Lucifer whenever she needs to have some sort of conversation. is He just isn't there to listen. Um, but this time, at least, there's a valid reason in I have to save my godson slash nephew slash... Um, the cutest so, baby ever. The cutest baby ever. The new king of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's... It just kind of works as well as it can because the actors are very, very good in it. Um, but it still feels a little unsatisfactory, dissatis- unsatisfactory um, just as a, as a climax to that relationship. So at least the relationships are this season. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Marcus mentions the, you know, saving the race for the wings till here is neat because uh, given, especially given Chloe's reaction to the fake wings in season one, which I hadn't thought of, but that's a good, uh, that's a good callback. Marcus, thanks for, for thinking of that um, and mentioning it. But let's talk a bit about a mini deal and baby Charlie and Linda, because we had strong feelings yesterday. How, how did, how did they land everything for, for me, they uh, did a really good job. It was a really effective um mislead and i thought that they handled i mean it was just linda she's just breaking your heart rachel Harris breaking your heart uh as she tries to rationalize and she knows what she's doing um what what did you what did you guys think some really good emotional manipulation like still mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> the, the writers are like ha 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 we're, we're fucking with you you're gonna be really pissed with minute he, he just comes home she's like what's up <laughs> and he is like he would in his like how to human feel like yes. I could buy him having the emotional uh, immaturity to be like, okay, Charlie's up in heaven. Let's go visit Linda. <laughs> like, be like, how's it going guys? I went to the store. Also, I stole your child. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was a very effective, uh, yeah. Faint, I guess. What, what did you think? Allison? Uh, yeah. When he walked in, I half thought that he was going to say, you said I could take him on holidays. I looked it up and today is national hot dog day. So I took him to heaven. Um, it was, it was just such a good fake out. I was so mad at Amenadiel. And then I was, I don't know that I would say I was mad at the writers so much as I was impressed by their devilishness. (laughs) Um, it was it was upsetting, and for a minute I also thought. Speaking of Amenadiel being bad at humaning, for for a minute I also thought, oh well, he apparently doesn't know that you can't leave an infant unattended when its mother is sleeping. So maybe he was like, 
Linda's given me a lot to think about. Baby Charlie, I'm going to go take a walk about this. You stay here. I put the television on and then off he goes. Um, so the the revelation that this was more convoluted than that was upsetting uh, and very concerning. And one of those great, like, your eyes slowly open when you realize what's going on moments in storytelling that I just love. Ugh, I was so mad and so delighted all at once. Hmm. No. Yeah, I was in the same boat with being mad. But then as soon as he was like, yeah, I just took a really long walk. And I just went, of course you did. Of course you took like a five hour walk and just didn't turn on your phone or didn't have your phone with you. Of course you did. It was really a three hour walk. But then he flew into the side of a bridge and was unconscious for two hours. So the, the Ella, <laughs> the, the delivery from Amy Garcia, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, Amenadiel could not be involved and just isn't answering his phone for a really long time guys like when you push ella to that the point of of like i even i can't optimism this guys it's it's a it's a good uh goodness lead um vince says i saw right through it because that was the more dramatic route so i just assumed that demon gelf took it uh also uh, linda and amendiel will definitely have a talk about uh about him almost betraying her and charlie uh and i assume that is coming uh, I assume these writers are not going to skip right over it. I did think the whole time in that that climax of the episode, the big fight scene, and everything. I was like, "Why is Linda not there?" And then why like, freeze time if he still can? Maybe he can. I don't remember the specifics. He, and, so he I, can. and also, yeah. why would you want any uh, mortal in that dangerous fight scene? Especially mm-hmm. Linda, she's so tiny. Yeah, yeah, but like, have her in a car. Like, there's no the bar car. for her to climb under while she's got the baby or anything. I'm just saying, it took way too long to get baby Charlie back to Linda. Like, that should have been a like, we got him. I'm in my car, or like, you know, Uber or whatever. Um, like the fact that it was like everything else is done. Now we'll have the scene of Linda getting Charlie back. Um. It was too late in the episode for me. It was there wasn't enough of a sense of urgency from Amenadiel. Um, obviously, his urgency was over Charlie, but once he had Charlie and once Charlie was okay and the threat was passed, the urgency should have been immediately to Linda, and it wasn't. And uh, that was a bit of a problem for me. I had to beat up those demons. I I was with you, Kate. I didn't understand why Linda wasn't on the phone, waiting in a car, like somewhere, let the woman be on the scene. Mm-hmm. Surely Amendiel with his, with as the possessor of the second largest arms in the Lucifer cast <laughs> as a whole, you'd think he could take Maze and one arm and Linda, and the, even if he had to like hold him under the waist, Mm-hmm. And like like this, I'm sorry, listeners, I'm holding my arms as though I am carrying <laughs> Leslie and Brent under one arm and Rachel Harris under the other. Um, he could have carried both of them. And then Linda could have hung out with Chloe in the, you know, the in the splatter free zone. In the just far enough away from the building so Lucifer doesn't die zone, yes. which again, <laughs> the proximity rules of this. <laughs> hey, they're whatever the narrative requires. And I'm OK yeah. with that on the show. I occasionally get stuck on these things and I know they're stupid, but I, but I have questions about proximity. I also wasn't really clear on the mechanics of killing the undead when they are possessed by demons. Did they just need to make the, did they need to render the bodies non-functional? It seemed to be zombie rules. It was because it was like headshots only brain. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, stiletto, stiletto, stiletto. 
to the yeah. me- I mean, yeah, to the concrete. The difference, the difference between the demons and like mom is that like mom is an all powerful goddess, so like she just needed a band aid over her her glowing body, yeah. whereas like the demons just like go back to hell, back <laughs> scram. Oh man, uh, Vince says uh, the the apology from Eve took about five hours while demons were killing a baby. But sure, let her finish. Um, and also be wise, see between the eyes. I thought of, I would think of um, Morgan Freeman in what's the movie? It's the movie with the the hit. Is it um, with Renee Zellweger? Oh, uh, Nurse Betty. Yeah, Nurse Betty. And Nurse Betty was like something about like it, it, he has some like rhyming thing about uh, two in the head, you know they're dead or whatever. Um, so so that that's what I was going to, but yeah. Um, Marcus says where a post could be more effective than a gun, apparently, or you know, the stiletto. Definitely, it was a good, fun way to do that. I liked, uh, while it didn't make any sense for Eve to be there, really, because she's not going to help that much. Uh, everybody having to just keep telling, run, run, <laughs> was very good because you know, like that isn't necessarily. Obviously, it's funny and it and adds urgency but also it isn't necessarily the right thing to do because there could be another demon who as soon as you get away from these like superpowered celestials will just kill you and take the baby like it's not necessarily the right so i i enjoyed um i could be with eve a little bit while also going what are you doing woman run <laughs> do we have any other moments that we want to make sure we check in on well, I mean, I'm glad that the show let Eve live and, like, go off and, like, explore and find what she needed to do. Yes, the apology is very long. Um, but I think that her not being killed, her not having to go back up to the Silver City um, is really good because she should have this time to figure out who she is. Um, but it also means that that actor can come back, um, which is a very good thing, I think, for this show in general. So I'm, I was really glad about that. And I was really glad she ended up barefoot as well at the end, which is, was very full circle for her as well. Uh, because anytime she's in shoes, it's weird. <laughs> Vin says she wouldn't go to the Silver City this time, just a hunch. Um, this guy says Lucifer has to admit who he is and leave denial behind and return to turn to hell to save the world. I'm interested in the psychological themes of the finale. Certainly this notion of him as he becomes, um, as he is choosing to, and be choosing to become and becoming a more aware and centered person, um, him taking some level of ownership and responsibility over hell and this other like this, this self-hatred and, and guilt that he has that we don't fully understand yet. I think that all tracks. And it, I mean, again, it, it feels really appropriate for a season four finale. What, what do you guys think of any, uh, do you guys have any thoughts on, on where Lucid is at his thematic journey and psychological uh, journey? I'm just going to say after a season of people complaining about this, the prophecy came true. So <laughs> be more respectful to prophecies. You dicks. Fine. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a problem with prophecies. My prophecy loathing is very Rambaldi. <laughs> Rambaldi. Rambaldi. <laughs> um, I, you know, I really like Scotty's observation here. I think that if if the big moral of Lucifer ends up being that self awareness is good, that'll be really cool. Um, and certainly acceptance of um both the the people you love as they are and a, a willingness to acknowledge that change is possible and all of those things. I think it's really, really great. I 
very much like the way that the season ends in terms of its dramatic potential. I did feel like Lucifer's decision is maybe, well, that's not true. Linda and Amenadiel too. Those conclusions felt more whole to me than poor Dan or Lucifer and Chloe um, or Eve, which I like the direction it goes in, but also it felt a little bit like, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the Eve scenes in this season, so I'm going to make sure that you understand what's been happening the entire time. Um, but I, they just weave together in a really pleasing way. So um, so I agree. And Scotty is smart. Scotty says Lucifer has to admit who he is and leave denial behind and return to hell to save the world. It feels quiet and maybe anticlimactic, but maybe also it's also subversive in a cool way. I'm becoming more interested in Lucifer's psychological journey than in the theological ramifications. And yeah, I, I agree. It's pretty cool. Plus also we'll see. I mean, Latoya, feel free to drink some beverages here, but so far the show hasn't been engaging with the theological very much or, you know, the larger framework of all of that. So I appreciate if they don't want to get into some of that theology, they can definitely explore more the, the uh, psychology. Um, Marcus says it was a self-fulfilling prophecy and it was. And Vince says, I just want to see Chloe happy for once. She deserves it. And yeah. I mean, besides like Rimbaldi in general, like going to Buffy and Angel, like the self-fulfilling prophecy is tends to be the prophecy that we, we see anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, Buffy getting killed by the master. Um, father will kill the son. So, yeah. yeah, it does tend to be very much like it, it's such a staple of, you know, of genre fiction that like there's there's a prophecy so that we can have a you know instigating factor in our plot and we can't we're not just going to do it so it's going to end up being a self-fulfilling um thing instead and and you know scotty references oedipus in the chat here and of course it's it's a very old standby right um i've heard of it but uh like that notion but because i mean i can't i cannot remember the time i've i've seen a show do like just a straight up. Yeah, no, this is the prophecy. It's going to happen because that's because it is because it's the prophecy the show, shows don't really do that. Um, and with the uh, exception of that amazing vampire diaries thing I was referencing the other day, uh, it tends prophecies in genre shows tend to take this route. So while I think this one was ended up working and being satisfying, it is still like, I look forward to the next show that finds a new or different way to do a prophecy than the self-fulfilling accidental sort of prophecy. Any other scenes, moments, wardrobe? Uh, I just want to note, because this speaks to, of course, my expertise uh, in wrestling. Uh, so during the fight, the main guy that Emmanuel is fighting is played by Shad Gaspard. Uh, he was a wrestler and actor in Man. He was also in Birds of Prey as like one of the final like henchmen they fight. Um, he passed away uh, in May. He he drowned. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a bad year for uh, people I enjoy uh, drowning, apparently. Um, and he, I believe, saving his son, actually, uh, in the process. So uh, he was a delightful wrestler. Um, I love seeing him pop up in things. Uh, uh, I mean, he actually does a, a rock bottom. Uh, the rocks uh, <laughs> move yeah. on him. In, during the fight so that was really cool um so it's it, it's always just a joy to see him so it was it was nice but like bittersweet to see him again rewatching this yeah thank you for mentioning that i was unaware yeah anytime that stunt coordinators 
incorporate stuff like that. Like this, let's shout out wrestling with this move. We'll have them do a rock bottom. That's delightful. I love when when shows do that. And even just, you know, the this show has good fights in general, but the specificity they give, like somebody already mentioned today, to the different fighters, the different characters who get into fights on the show and their technique and their approach, it gives a lot of energy and specificity. So I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that fight scene because I did not notice that. And as a as someone who grew up watching uh, wrestling in the Attitude Era in the 90s and knows not much about wrestling, but enough to know that that was the Attitude Era, uh, I should know, <laughs> I should have caught that. So yeah, I will definitely go back and watch it again. Marcus says, I'd like to see a prophecy where it says something like, world-consuming monster, but it is something super mundane, like an egg called the world or something silly like that. Um, yeah. I have a little detail that I appreciated in terms of the attention to detail and continuity that the, both the writers and the actors are, are employing. Um, and that I'm just really glad that things are still pretty frosty between Maze and Chloe. Like it just, we didn't need to explain it. It's not like it was adversarial or they were, um, you know, like playing up that they were at in some sort of fight, but it's the difference between the Chloe and Mays of last season and the Chloe and Mays of this season is really stark. And I appreciate that that's a factor, even when it's not a factor, if that makes sense. I really enjoyed seeing them together again, even briefly. However, nowhere near enough tricks. <laughs> uh, it's like the difference between the way the Mays Linda story resolved in the way, like the, the Mays Chloe story, because like Chloe, really kind of fucked up with Maze, honestly. Um, Maze is not, even if she forgives it, she's not, they're not back to where they are. They're not roommates again. It's their friendship needs to, like, it needs to be built back up. Whereas, you know, with, with Linda, it's a lot of just poor communication and, you know, misunderstandings and, you know, they're still best friends. So it's yeah. I don't Maze. even think I would say that Chloe and Maze are friends. I think they have, they're, they feel much more like former roommates who have friends in common than friends right now. And I, th- and I agree. I think that's good because they didn't, you know, like Vince says, they didn't spend time together this season. There were other things that were pressing. So this is something that in my head, in my head canon, in the next two days while I wait for season five, um, like this is, th- this is a relationship that they will rebuild in the aftermath of all of this stuff going down. Um, and as you know, Dr. Linda will know that Chloe needs people with her and will be like, go check on like poking Maze to go check on uh, Chloe and like have her be part, you know, like this is what's happening in my head. I'm very excited. Also, uh, I'm just again, like I'm saying, I said earlier in the season, we we're going to need some Trixie babysitting time with baby Charlie. So this just it all tracks and that's what's going to happen until something, you know, till, till the next season comes and hopefully everything's OK with them after some good conversations. And that the, the, they don't remain antagonistic. Yes, I will say about Maze Chloe is that they just—I feel like they were never on the same page about their friendship. I think Maze mm-hmm. saw her as a closer friend, and Chloe always kind of kept her at arm's length. Yeah, and I agree. She took her for granted. Yeah. You're my best friend, <laughs> and I know I'm not yours. That's okay. Let yeah, me get my was, popcorn. <laughs> it was exactly that dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Do we? Well, any final thoughts? on this finale we'll talk season four tomorrow but if not if marcus vince scotty throws anything in the chat um well i'm at the scene right now on my tv so i'm just gonna say i know why it had to happen but i'm so mad eve why do you have to break her heart why do yeah you break her heart 
I don't know. I'm proud of Eve. Yeah, it had to happen. Like, yes, yes. You have to go. Go find a, a. I guess you can't find a different therapist. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> everybody needs a therapist, and their only option is Linda. Um, but go like uh, have some safe but casual sex with any partner you want, and go to a museum and read a book, eat, pray, love, do like whatever you got to do. Eve, find yourself, find your bliss, take a cooking class. She should just eat and pray. She's like done the love. So, oh, love herself. And then she went up to Portland and still ruined another relationship. <laughs> oh, see, I, I'm. Uh, Oh, gosh, she's so much better here than there, right? Oh, yeah, it's not no, she's close. significantly better on this I mean, than she was. Yeah, in I, I love Stumptown, but like that whole thing did a disservice to her. Bad. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. See, here's here's my takeaway, Latoya. If if they had tried to get them together at the end of season four, that would mean they were doomed. So much like Supercore, which I know that I don't have any like false uh, confidence in Supercore, but like just like the Kara and Lena friendship. When they're still fighting for no good reason halfway through the season, I was like, okay, that's good. Because that means that the finishing arc of the season will be them getting back together and being on good terms, which is the only thing that makes sense. So because... That platonic friendship where the 100th episode is about how much they love each other. You know, that platonic friendship. That platonic friendship. Anyways, um, so so (laughs) when when she does like, you know, I actually, I need to figure out myself first. um, Or not even first, I, I need to figure out myself now like first of all absolutely with you on that Allison way to go Eve that shows a lot of maturity um and you know like that one session with Dr. Linda did a lot and then uh secondly I was like okay good so now they can be like the new OTP because they've already established their main OTP so now like this can we can all be on board with this for season five or six we'll see anyways Okay, that will wrap up our conversation for today. Normally, this is what I'd be like, and the next episode title is blah, 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 I'll speculate. But we're going to do that tomorrow because I don't want to have to look at the episode titles yet. Um, so tomorrow, we're going to do our season wrap up. We look forward to chatting with, with y'all in the Zoom and seeing your thoughts on the season and predictions for season five. Um, yeah, thank you to Marcus and Scotty and Vince for hanging out with us today in the Zoom. Thank you to Latoya for, again, being our Lucifer expert and all-around fabulous person. Now, you are also an expert of many shows. Um, and we've already talked about your Vampire Diaries uh, podcast. We've re- re- referenced it a bunch, but let's plug that again. But also, you have a new podcast that's going to be You have happening. another one? Uh, yes. Uh, starting uh, next month with uh, season three, I will be the host of uh, the Angel on Top rewatch podcast. Uh, the spinoff of Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Um, don't be mean to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. I am very much looking forward to it. And for those who don't know, what is your Vampire Diaries podcast? Uh, the Empire Diaries. Get amped. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's okay. okay, well, that's going to wrap us up uh, for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. 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 Bye.